Hello, this is Brad Warren, and you are listening to Beyond the Event, a youth ministry podcast presented by Christ in Youth, where we help youth ministries maintain momentum between the mountaintops. Today, we are going to dive into the first episode of a three-part series about ministry in urban, suburban, and rural contexts, which is rural is the hardest word in the English language for me to say, so uh, feel free to, to, you know, spam my email with, with uh, all kinds of hate about how I say that word because you're going to hear it a lot. But anyway, uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to in this series is exploring how we can learn from each other to create ministry experiences that have a broad appeal in our communities. And there are things that that you learn as a youth minister in your context that I think are valuable for all youth ministers to know, even if those lessons aren't widely accessible to to people in other contexts. So we want this to be a place where we can teach and apply those things in any ministry context. Today, uh, we're starting off by talking about youth ministry in urban churches. And you might be thinking, Brad, my church is the farthest thing from an urban church. I'm not sure I know what the word urban means. Um, but there are two main reasons why I think you'll want to stick around and hear what my guest today has to say. First of all, uh, in, in 2009, the global urban population surpassed the global rural population for the first time in history. So that means that within our lifetimes, we have seen a radical shift from a predominantly rural society to a predominantly urban society. And with the continued migration that we are seeing of our populations to urban centers, I can virtually guarantee you that you are currently, no matter what your context, no matter what your context is, pastoring students who will one day relocate to an urban area and have to live out their faith in, in a completely new setting. So the way that the gospel is contextualized in urban areas is important, not only for those who call those places home, but also for a guy like me in Joplin, Missouri, which is very much not an urban center, who leads a small group of guys who may dream of going to college in Chicago or Dallas. They listen to music that's produced in Nashville and Detroit, and they watch movies that are made in New York and L.A. Second of all, I think it's important for you to stick around because our suburban and rural communities in this country are consistently reflecting more and more of the diversity that we have historically seen in America's urban centers. Therefore, learning from our brothers and sisters in urban churches is going to help us take a glimpse into the future as our suburban and rural communities and churches continue to become more and more diverse. To help me and you both understand what effective ministry looks like in urban churches and the lessons all of us can take away from that, I'm joined today by a great friend of CIY, Scott Velasquez. Scott, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, Brad. How's it going? I am living the dream. How are you? Great, great. Uh, I'm excited to be here at this new thing that CIY is doing. I love getting to hang out with CIY whenever we can. So um, this is very cool. Yeah, you're getting in on the ground floor, man. Episode I know. I number that. two. Love that, love that. So we're excited. So uh, give me and our listeners just a Cliff Notes version of, of who Scott Velasquez is. Yeah, uh, I'm a youth pastor. I've been serving the church uh, in youth ministry for, I don't know, 20 plus years. Uh, went to uh, Bible college in Ohio, uh, but I grew up in New York. So grew up um, about an hour from New York City and uh, had loved the urban feel of all of that. And, um, and then went to Ohio, which was a different 
uh, experience, but we were in Cincinnati. So that was a urban kind of different feel than New York and, uh, and growing up. And then we went to upstate New York for about 10 years, uh, worked with a church there in youth ministry. And then this church from Maryland reached out to us right when Facebook was becoming a thing. So like 2007 and they were, you know, they had been, um, they had heard of me and they were like, um, you want to come and take a look at our church in Maryland to be our youth pastor. And I was like, no, no, I have really no interest <laughs> in doing that, but, uh, went down there and, um, saw the same kind of diversity and later came to find out more diversity than I had growing up on Long Island, uh, and loved it and have been here 14 years at a church, uh, in Germantown, Maryland, which oddly enough is one of the top 10 most diverse cities in America and top four kind of small urban cities in America. So it's a, it's a great place to live, raised my girls here and uh, still love serving in youth ministry here. So Very that's a cool. little bit about, that's a little bit about me. Yep. And for our, for our, our listeners, just to help them contextualize uh, our conversation a little bit, um, the Germantown area is kind of part of the Washington DC Metroplex. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it busts it butts up against uh, DC. So um, in our county, Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, you'll find places like Bethesda and Silver Spring and Rockville. Um, for us, uh, I can be on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in I don't know 35 minutes or so, um, and um, and be able to just kind of hang out in DC. DC is a great uh, place and. Um, have loved living in such close proximity to it. So yeah, Very it's been cool. good. Very cool. So I want to kind of start our conversation by having you, um, you know, I, in doing my research for this podcast, the word urban is actually a little bit tricky uh, to nail mm-hmm. down what that means. And there are several uh, people and groups that define that in different ways. I'm curious to know what that word, what the word urban means to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So urban to me is is really more about feel and um, obviously it's a proximity piece, right? So are you living in a major metropolitan area? Uh, but for us living in Germantown, you know, like I said, we live about 30, 35 minutes outside of DC. So people could say, well, you live in suburbia. Well, yeah, technically I guess that's true, but Germantown right before we moved here maybe 10 or 15 years before we moved here was kind of cow pastures and and farms and all this stuff and all of a sudden in you know 20 years uh it has become this very urbanized very um um very urban feeling kind of place super diverse right uh lots of different socioeconomic uh groups and levels uh, represented and um so for us, it's this feel of urban is this feel of where we could, I mean, it feels like to me, we could walk down the street and be in DC. You know, it's not very, doesn't feel very far away, DC. And, um, and every place in between us and DC is, is more and more kind of feeling that way. And um, so, yeah, it's, most, it's mostly about feel for us. And we're definitely dealing with an urban so we're kind of like urban suburban. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of our feel. 
Very cool. Well, I mean, and and I'll be, I I consider myself a product of the suburbs, and so mm. I love that you're saying that it's it's more about feel than anything else. I grew up in the in in the suburbs of Jacksonville, Florida, and mm. <clears throat> um, the culture of the place that I was raised. Uh, is not similar to to what you're talking about. So yeah. I think it's interesting to be able to say, hey, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of kind of a you know in in soccer we talk about the eye test. Like you you can throw all the statistics at me that you want, but do you pass the eye test? And yeah. there's a little bit of a just a feel to it. And um, yeah. I, it's such a cool thing the area that you're describing and and the different uh, opportunities that that you guys have being uh, doing ministry in that area. Uh, I'm interested to know what the makeup of you. You told me what the makeup of your church of your community is like. I'm interested to know what the makeup of your church is like demographically. Mm. Who you guys are reaching, um, racially, yeah. ethnically, socioeconomically, um, religious background, those types of things. Who's part of of Journeys Crossing? Yeah, great question. Um, and important to answer, uh, I think this way. Uh, so for for me, an important thing was always that the church community that we lived with and served with reflected very well the makeup of the community at large and um journey's crossing and we were talking about this this week at staff meeting uh, is the most diverse by far the most diverse community church community that i've ever been a part of um and i'm not sure how we got there uh other than other than something i'm going to come back to later um, but it's one of our values to, you know, to be diverse, but then when you kind of flesh that out, how did we get to be diverse? What are the steps that we took? And, uh, for us, um, it was, um, I'll get to this point later, but you asked the question, who, who are we serving? So, um, Journeys Crossing basically reflects or mirrors the communities, um, the community that we live in Germantown, Maryland. Um, we're somewhere around 30% Caucasian. We're about 30% African-American. We're probably 22% Latino, somewhere in there. And then everybody else, right? But, but our everybody else and, and the way that those groups um, connect and interact is very different. Because we have a lot of churches in Montgomery County, Maryland that don't operate that way. Um, and uh, they're, you know, historically a black church or a white church or an Asian church. And it's funny with Generation Z, they're becoming more and more distrustful of that kind of a feel because they're saying, well, my, my school doesn't look like this. Why does my church community look like this? And having lived in the middle of it for 14 years now, um, our church... I walked in the door and was met by every ethnicity that I can, you know, it was like a, it's like a uh, United Nations meeting every single week. Um, if you look on our worship stage, um, it's, there's so many different ethnicities, colors, um, gender. I mean, all of everything's represented and uh, it's really just an amazing experience. Um, so I think we've done a really good job, better than any other church that I know, of um, of, of intentionally being diverse and yeah. 
how we got there, I think is, is key. And one of the lessons that I hope that we'll, we'll get back to. So. Oh, I very much hope that we will, which is, we will, uh, yeah, oh, we yeah. will. We'll, we'll, we'll get there for sure. But yeah. uh, no, I, it's, it's a really cool um, thing that you're describing and something that, I mean, the obvious image is heaven, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I want to be there. I want to hear all these different languages and, and all these, pe- all these people with different perspectives than me, uh, being able to come together and rally around, um, the central tenet that Jesus is Lord is just such a beautiful thing that you're describing. And, um, I yearn for that, man. I, I sometimes don't believe it. We were just, like I said, we were just talking about this at, at staff meeting and I brought up, we are incredibly diverse. What did we do to get there? How did we become this church? Yeah. And um and the, the answers were were pretty interesting. So I'm looking forward to hearing those. Yeah. Um I, I'm interested to know what what unique opportunities you feel like you have for ministry being in the context that you're in, that your brothers and sisters in less diverse communities, um, such as myself, uh, might not have the opportunity to consider. Yeah. So for us, uh, I'm not sure that it is so much about what um, what we ha- what opportunities we have that you guys can't consider or haven't considered necessarily, um, because for us, we've tried to really be where our community is um, and address needs. I think so many churches, um, unfortunately, are seen by their community as groups that, if they close their doors. Would it, would it be, would there be a huge impact on the community, right? So for us, we've always wanted to fight that. We've always wanted to be the church that um, if we shut our doors tomorrow, and, you know, obviously a church is not a building, but um, if we were to shut our doors tomorrow, there would be some kind of impact. People would know, oh, we've, we're missing something here in Germantown. What is that? Oh, it's that church that is not a part anymore. Um, that would be very sad because I think our, um, our impact, um, has been in being intentional and being creative about partnerships inside the community, even if, uh, some of those take us out of our comfort zone and are, you know, kind of dealing with some, some bigger, um, bigger items. So for example, we, fatherlessness in our country is a huge thing. And um, our, our school, our high school, uh, where uh, it's the biggest high school building in the state of Maryland as of this year. So we just built this brand new facility, uh, Seneca Valley High School. And it's huge. It's like you come and you see it, you drive over the hill. And there it is this huge castle. It's incredible. (laughs) Um, but it's right across the street from my house. And for a long time, we did our church services um, at their building. Well, one of our big issues in our community is fatherlessness. So tonight, right after this, I'm going to a meeting at Seneca Valley High School where they're like, they're asking the community, hey, we've got students here that don't have father figures in their lives. We need people to come and be, you know, spend time on campus. This is a school in Maryland. Uh, Be on campus and impact our students for good. Excuse me, what? (laughs) Uh, 
Where do I sign? I, I can't <laughs> believe this opportunity. And we, you know, um, I decided a couple of years ago, um, I wanted to be, I knew this school was coming. The school had been there and then, you know, raised their old building and now, you know, built this new building. So a few years ago, I was like, how, I need to get on campus. How do I get on campus? And I'd already had um, great uh, relationships with the, pre with the principal there and a bunch of teachers there. Um, but I wanted to be on campus more. So I decided, you know what? I played volleyball in high school. I'm going to coach their volleyball team. And uh, they made me the JV girls head coach of the JV girls team at Seneca Valley High School. So I get to be on campus every single day with students all the time, just, just trying to be creative and intentional about being where students are. So now... We, I've got that opportunity. And now that season just ended, we are getting to go on campus again and spend more time. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of, of listening and being plugged into the needs of the community and saying, when there's an opportunity, let's, let's sacrifice and go and you know be on campus more and more and more, be where students are more and more and more. Um, for us, that I th has been huge and will continue to be huge. This uh, this fall, the girls' banquet, or actually the last three years, the girls' celebration banquet has been in our church building, uh, which is such a beautiful picture to me every single year, um, watching all of these people who have no relationship with Jesus that I know of, who are, who are sitting where a church gathers every week and building uh, memories in this place where we're hoping that, you know, someday they got some questions and someday we were able to kind of step across that bridge and, um, you know, maybe some address some of the biggest needs that they have that maybe that they don't even know that they have. So, yeah. That's very cool. I, I love that. I love that that started as a question about what's, what's unique to you and like, the more you talked to the more it was like, Oh, any, anybody can do this. Anybody, like, I, yeah, you know, like, anybody. and maybe it's not coaching volleyball, but you know, just having your ear to the ground in your community and knowing where the needs are knowing, Hey, fatherlessness is an issue here. How can I be intentional about um, being a bridge builder in, in that specific area is, is yeah. a universal truth. Right. Which, which I think is really cool. Let's talk about some other, some other manifestations of, of ministry that, that happen in your community that you think um, we might be able to use to encourage or challenge um, suburban and rural churches particularly? Yeah. One of them that we've, uh, another one, another partnership kind of thing uh, that we've done, and, uh, you know, this is not a urban thing necessarily. I think anybody can do this. Um, it's real practical. Uh, find out if your football team eats your local football team if they eat regularly and what i mean by that is uh there is um for us there was a need for the football team to do well they do film every single week they work on they you know study their game and they do their film sessions saturday mornings but the problem was being that we are in a lower income kind of area so many of them hadn't eaten when they when they were to start their film session. So their film session, let's say, went from nine to noon. And that whole time there was no food for them. They hadn't eaten beforehand and they didn't they weren't able to provide them a meal during that thing. So we were like, 
well, we could, we could fix that. So we've got a team of volunteers that goes and, you know, sets up a football breakfast um, for students. And the cool thing is because it's all volunteer run, we're able to talk about anything that we want to. And so we don't like, you know, jam Jesus down their throats necessarily, but we do talk about the impact that Jesus has made in our lives and how, if they are interested in that, we would love to have a conversation with them. You have to kind of, you know, that line is, you have to massage that a little bit. So um, we make sure to, you know, offer that those conversations. But the, the amazing part is um, the, the, the partnership with the school that has built over the years and the trust that is built over the years. So for us, it's as soon as you can start those relationships, you know, and, and some of those low hanging fruit, everybody has a, has a high school, right? Everybody, there's high schools everywhere. And typically they have a football team or some other team that you could, you could impact in a way that um, pulls them closer to the kingdom. So for us, that's been a huge, uh, a huge thing. That's we've, very cool. we've done that for seven years. And that's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's kind of along these same lines, you know, same question, but let's circle back around to some of the lessons that you were referencing earlier about how you were intentional um, about building diversity in your community. I'm curious, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in your staff meeting, but <laughs> kind of, if you can invite me into that conversation and tell me some of the things that you guys realized um, about how yeah. you were able to create diversity, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, for us, it was one word. Um, and I, I think it was just looking around our staff table, it was just kind of in our the, the DNA of those Jesus follower people. Um, accept the word was acceptance um, the word was unconditional acceptance so saying to people who walk in who might not think the same way that we do might not look the same way might not uh experience the same things we experience um saying i love you and uh i will walk with you and you're no different than me and i know that's such an easy kind of like oh duh we're the church we're supposed to do that it challenges all of your presuppositions about who Jesus loves. And I know that's an easy, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, Jesus loves everybody. But I, I, there are communities out there, right. Um, that I think we are prone as the church to not know how to love well. And, uh, for us, um, um, we have always just kind of said, we'll let Jesus kind of work with you as you belong here. So it, it was kind of belonging before becoming. And um, the idea was, we want you here. We want you to hang out with us. We want to love you. We want to show you Jesus's love. And then let him kind of work in your life as you study scripture, as you hear messages, as you do life uh, with us. And, and the, you know, when I say with us, the us was, was just kind of open for everybody, for people to just kind of be a part of. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I've found when one of our staff members kind of had that um, revelation that it was, it was really about acceptance. And I thought, oh, yeah, that is what that is. We just, whatever the person looked like, whatever the person thought, whatever the person 
um, was in the middle of that maybe some of the sin issues in their lives, maybe some of the um, struggles that they had or the backgrounds that they came from. We always said to them, you're welcome here. And, you know, we still, we still stand on what scripture says. We still, you know, we're, but we're, we're more about pulling out the logs out of our own eyes than the specks in other people's and trying to help people learn about following Jesus in such a way that that's their go-to is let me first deal with the log in my own eye before I start trying to dig around in your eye for a speck that is probably smaller than the log, you know, that I've, that I've got going on. So totally. I, I, uh, I love how you started off with what I'm, I'm hang with me here. I'm going to affectionately call a platitude which is like, accept everybody, you know what I mean? And everybody yeah. listening is like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, duh. You know, you know, obviously, we're, we're a church. We accept right. everyone. But like, well, you don't have to think about that very long, right, Scott, before it's like, oh, maybe there are some things that are kind of built into our culture that would would reject a certain person or a certain type yeah. of person. So um, yeah. I would love to ask you kind of a, a practical follow-up to that, which are in, if you wouldn't mind, kind of being vulnerable about uh, Journeys Crossing's, um, you know, journey. Can't think of another word through this. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you guys had to kind of strip away in order to make sure that your church was mm-hmm. an accepting place to any person that walked through the door? Yeah, that's a oof. Uh, I think for us, um, I think not. I think the thing that we had to strip away, well, I don't know if it's strip away necessarily. We just wouldn't get involved in culture wars. We wouldn't, um, for us, it's really about the kingdom. And, you know, again, all platitudes, right? Duh, you're a church. It's about the kingdom, (laughs) right? I'm not sure that that's a given. I'm not sure that that's a given. Uh, I, I think the way that we engage social media, I think the way that we engage uh, the LBGTQ community. I think we uh, very often we say um, uh, this far and no farther, or we say um, with with social media, we say I'm going to get on a side and and um, trumpet that you know in my on my social media platform, and I think very often we do a lot more damage than good when we do that. Um, So for us, it's always been about you're loved here, LGBTQ person. You're loved here, person of a different um, uh, socioeconomic background, um, you know, race, culture, ethnicity, background. Uh, You're loved here. And that is that sounds really easy or sounds really like duh, but it is such hard and messy work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think messy is a great word because you do, there's tension, right? You got to wrestle with some things if you want to be serious about engaging in this. And serious about engaging it while saying, I still believe what scripture says. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to work with a gang member right? Uh, I'm willing to hang out and have them in my home. I'm willing to, um, you know, there's a lot of challenging things. Would I go to a, um, 
a gang member's home or their backyard party? Would I go to, um, uh, you know, would I have a friendship with a, with a person who I know is a drug dealer um, and, you know, maybe, maybe tries to sell to, to students in my youth ministry? Would I, would I become, would I befriend them? Um, we've had all kinds of situations where we've kind of been like, what would I do in that situation? <laughs> and the messiness of that is, well, it, for me, it's why grace is so incredible and freeing in, in that there's not really a, a wrong answer there. Um, and I have the freedom to make a mistake in, you know, an air on the side of, I may make a mistake here, but I'm going to do it, you know, trying to help this person know Jesus and, um, and help them be a part of our community. Yeah, that's really cool. So Scott, help me understand really specifically what it is that you're talking about when you are talking about meeting the needs in your community. Is there a story even from your youth group or something that you could share that would help us kind of wrap our heads around what this looks like in your context? Yeah. Um, so the other day, uh, Savon came by and showed me the new car that he had just bought. Uh, Savon came from a single parent household. Um, he and his brother were part of our youth group, I don't know, six, six years ago. And were um, they started in our youth group when they were maybe fifth grade, something like that. And they had never been to their, their mom um, really struggled to keep food on their table, but she worked so hard. Uh, Jamaican family, Jamaican background. And uh, those two kids were crazy. Like they were uh, all over the place. They were, um, they really struggled with uh, respect stuff and running the streets kind of stuff. And, uh, they, but they would faithfully come to our middle school boys youth group every single week and got to be a part of, um, our youth group in their whole growing up. They, they went with us, uh, with my family to Disney world for the first time. Uh, we took them to Disney world. They jumped on a plane with us, never been on a plane before. We just got to invest in these guys, like. Uh, like crazy. And uh, we were pretty sure, I mean, if they had not found some people to invest in them, to love them, a church that would kind of stay around them, they would have, uh, their story would have not been a good one. Um, one of Savon's best friends who had just started coming to our youth group in his sixth grade year was, was murdered by an abusive stepfather the story was kind of all over the news and you know we were we didn't know that he had been murdered um his mom had been murdered and then we spent the next week um searching for him uh for william and uh they found his body um a week later we did prayer vigils and we're kind of all over the community trying to find this young guy um, which, you know, Savon kind of, and his brother both, um, really leaned on the church, really leaned on our community. And, 
um, became even more plugged in, would go to CIY events, would go to uh, our, our youth stuff that we, that we gave, that we kind of uh, put together every week. Um, maybe four years ago, their mom, um, her kidneys failed finally. And uh, they, they had been bad for a long time and, and they were, she was on a, a transplant list and got the transplant that failed and, and she passed away. And it was just those two boys on their own uh, they had graduated, they both graduated high school, which they're the first to do that uh, in their, in their families um, and started just working and living, trying to live for Jesus, trying to do it on their own and go to college. And Savon just showed up the other day, beaming with this beaming smile, wanting to show me his brand new car that he bought. And, uh, saved up for and worked hard for and is life perfect for them no no i mean it's super rough and uh it's hard but they are i think a lot better in life because of what jesus has done through a church community that loved them that was intentional about who they are and um and kind of reached into where they live and said hey we're gonna love you and um so yeah, Saban showed me his car the other day. It's a good story. I do. I love that story. It's a really, really beautiful picture of of the fruit that can be born when a when a church decides that it's going to step into a place that is difficult, right? And is and is messy and is and is tough to navigate. Well, Scott, I I we're we're honing in on the kind of the end of our time together here, and I really just want to give you the last word and and give you a chance to kind of. Uh, say anything that you feel like we might have missed here or a question that maybe I don't even know that I need to be asking and just any other encouragement that you would want to give to uh, your fellow youth pastors across the country. Yeah. I I think uh, for, for me, it's probably uh, the best thing I can say to youth pastors across the country. One of the best things is to stop thinking about us and them um, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, there are people that once you say us and them, you're categorizing somebody, you're, you're probably defaulting to something, right? You've got something going on in your head. Um, and just, rem- you know, being reminded that um, kingdom stuff is still happening and still the most important work in the whole world. Whether you're a youth pastor or you're working at a, you know, some other, in some other vocation, um, what we do uh, to build, you know, to do kingdom work is the most important thing. And we're trying to live that out. It is not easy. It is not, um, uh, doesn't come without big cost and sacrifice and all of those things. But man, it has been the most rewarding thing to move to, you know, to Maryland of all places. I had no idea that I'd be coming to Maryland, thought I'd be a New Yorker my whole life. And um but to spend time in this place where um, we've been able to just kind of remove so many of those walls and have this reputation as a place where you're going to get loved. You're going to get loved. At the end of the day, you're going to get loved. And uh, and you're going to get Jesus. You're going to get loved and you're going to get Jesus. Um, 
I would, I would just encourage you to be intentional about making it about that and uh, living in your freedom, living in the, you know, the grace you've been given um, to be creative and intentional about that, uh, whatever your context. Um, look for the relationships that are right around you. Look for the things that he's putting in front of you. Look for the needs, maybe make a list of all the needs that you see around you for a week. Uh, in your context and say, okay, is there anything, God, that you want us to do to reach into that and to make that better? Not just in your church community, but in the church, in the community where God has placed the church to be that kingdom impact, to be, to make it better. Um, if you will be intentional, I mean, you will, you will do incredible things no matter your setting. And uh, if you will trust that God's got you know, some use for your intentionality uh, that he's been waiting for you to, you know, to jump in and engage. Um, yeah, you probably can do some real good together. So I agree a hundred percent, Scott, and I appreciate you taking some time to invite us to live in that tension between grace and truth and um, figure out where the needs in our community are and, and step into those things. I think that's a uh, something that's universal that we can take away and apply regardless of, of what our context is. And that's exactly what I was hoping to do in this conversation. So Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you guys. Well, it's an honor. Keep up the good work out in Germantown and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Brad. Bye. I am joined now by my good buddy and CIY's director of Mix, Caleb DeRoyne. Caleb, welcome to the podcast. Hello, friends. Hello, Brad. I am excited to be here. And yeah, hello. I'm excited that you're here. Hey, why don't you start off by just telling the people listening to the show who you are, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Brad said, I get the opportunity to serve as the director of Mix here at CIY, which is really cool. And Really kind of a dream come true, uh, just even being here at COI. Uh, I live here in Joplin with my wife and my, at this time, four-month-old son. Um, it's crazy. He doesn't sleep through the night, but it's, I think I'm handling it okay. I'm, you can handle it as best as you can, I guess. It's funny that things like come full circle because I have now reached a point at 31 years of age where I also do not sleep through the night. Yeah, so I'm trying to bridge that gap. <laughs> at some point, he's going to start, and then at some point down the road, he won't again. Right. But I'm going to really live in that sweet spot if it's 30-plus years or whatever that he does sleep through the night. I'm really looking forward to that. You want as much overlap as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. You would, you would hope. You would hope. But we'll see. Also, uh, little Davey was yep. a bear. For Halloween. He was. Yeah. And I want you guys to know that he was the cutest darn thing I've ever seen in my entire life. He was a little bear. And as soon as we walked him outside, it was He was, was... A, he was either a little bear or like a life size gopher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh that was really what we were going for. We fit the aesthetic <laughs> almost on lock. And so yeah, he loved it. Fell right asleep in his car seat. That's what you want. Trick or treated his little heart out. <laughs> It's amazing. Well, hey, I uh, I'm I'm interested to know what 
like why you love mix. What what is it that makes because if anybody listening to this this podcast has been to mix before they know, it is a unique experience among the offerings of Christ and Youth. I'm interested to know what you think makes it unique and why you love mix so much. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start with the why I love it so much. Um, there is there's a little bit, even if it if we won't have to get super technical about it, but even to the science behind what a middle schooler's brain is going through, um, through this age that we get to hang out with them in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, that things are starting to click. And so for Mix, it is one of the more addicting things on the planet of when you see the light bulb go on for a middle school student for the first time is unreal. It's unreal. Um, we love that. Our, our, our team loves that. Uh, we often say a line that we don't just love middle schoolers. We like them too, which I know a lot of us are like, oh, yeah, there's a difference there. Um, we genuinely like middle school students. That's everyone who puts their hand to the mixed team is is on board for that. Uh, if you've been to a mix before or, or something that makes it unique, uh, I would say it's Honestly, it's just kind of it's just chaos, right? It's 100%. chaos all like as soon as you wake up until you go to bed. Um, but sometimes that chaos is is silly games or chaos in worship because we're just relentlessly uh, worshiping the Lord or pursuing the Lord. And so the chaos there is just so much fun. Uh, it is crazy. You're tired. After an event, after a full week of mix, all four days is exhausting, but it's so so good. So, I would think that w- that's what makes our our event and mix just like a little bit more unique than other things in the building is just that it is pure chaos, but chaos for Jesus. Yeah. Well, well that's gonna be a t-shirt. At some <laughs> chaos point. for Jesus. Chaos for Jesus. Well, and I just love that moment you're describing where a junior high student has the light bulb come on because every every youth pastor listening to this podcast can see it. You know what I mean? They can you can literally watch a kid's face 100%. realize, you know, what the gospel message that they've maybe heard about for their entire life actually means right. for them. Yep. Is a really really incredible thing. And boy, right. yeah, let let me tell you, we get to dig and drink from wells that we did not dig as 100%. a as a staff member of CIY to be able to just like travel the summer and see that light bulb moment, but not necessarily know the story of, right. Whatever youth pastor is there who has been with this kid and living life with this student for four years and had to endure the seventh grade, small group boy conversation of, Hey, let's talk about Jesus, or let's talk about lamp, or let's talk about desk, or let's talk about like that. We all get it. They're yeah. middle schoolers. Yeah. But man, we are extremely blessed and and so lucky to be able to be a part of that. Even if it's a little bit of the story, but just to see that is like ah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, this summer at Mix a little bit. Yeah. We are going to be talking about the parables of Jesus a lot. Going to be living in the parables at, at Mix this summer. And I want to know what it is that you are most excited to tell junior high students this summer. What truth is it that you're just pumped for them to walk away with? Yeah, I think we often read the parables 
and look at how we put ourselves into the story of, oh, I'm this brother or, right, oh, I'm this kind of seed or this kind of soil. And I think Jesus, sometimes we miss that Jesus is actually talking about himself more throughout the parables and trying to talk about his character and God's character. And so I'm just really excited to wrestle with that truth of, yeah, we find moments in this parable that we can correlate with our own lives. And and yes, I'm this kind of soil right now. Or yes, I can see how I'm this brother or this brother. But Jesus is trying to show, hey, this is who I am. Um, and we get an absolute, we get story time with Jesus this summer. And I am a person that loves stories. So being able to just learn and sit under him this summer and listen to literally his stories that he told from his mouth, I think is going to be just a blast. I think it's going to be nuts. It is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. Sincerely hope that you guys will be joining us at Mix this summer. If you do, there's a decent chance you'll run into Caleb. So, um, Hope that you guys get the chance to connect with him at an event this summer. Uh, registration is open. If so, if you haven't signed up already, you can do that now. And now we are going to kind of take a hard left turn into <laughs> the mailbag. Oh. Uh, you will remember from our show two weeks ago that we want to answer questions directly from youth pastors, youth workers. So if you want to submit a question to the mailbag, you can do that either in the CIY Community Facebook group or by emailing us at podcast at CIY.com. Either way, we will get your question. We would love to answer your question. And now I'm going to take some of the questions we have already been given and pose them to you, Caleb. Are you ready? Oh, hot seat. Come on now. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Are any of them awkward? Yes. Are they going to put me in a weird position? Uh, yes. Is it going to threaten my job? Depending on how I answer the question. How vulnerable are you willing to be here? Uh, I am an open book. I, you can, I know. An inside uh, no, man... your, your job will not be threatened. Great. You see, past a man is his nucleus. <laughs> I'm ready to show my nucleus. Jeremy Stevenson from... Christ Church in my hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. Go Jags. <laughs> Jeremy Stevenson would like to know, uh, what's your most embarrassing moment on a CIY stage? No, Jeremy, why? Why do we need to talk about that? I mean, when you were asking, can any of these questions get me fired? I think, you know, maybe. Um, I, uh, I, <laughs> Where do uh, where do we draw the line? Can I tell a couple stories? You can tell a couple stories. Realistically, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do it. Um. So I was I was at an event. Um. I was dang. This is just not great. Uh, That's the point of the mailbag. <laughs> the mailbag strikes again. <laughs> uh, I was at an event and I was calling up for a game or whatever um, and called, um, very much called a uh, a student up on stage to come play or participate in this game. Um, but I, 
I looked at him, and here's the deal. You guys all know it. If you're on stage and the lights are in your face, you really can't see. Can't see a thing. You're seeing students bounce around, and you're seeing little hands, or you're doing whatever, and you're just trying to – You're try, it's literally just trying to grab something out of the ocean. Right. And so I see the student, has long hair, has a messy bun, and I was like, you girl in the red shirt. Um, hey, you little girl, get this, up Wait, here. wait, wait, wait. Was this move or mix? It was mix. Okay. It was mix. So you girl, hey girl, come on up. And I had to like, I'm pointing at this person. I'm like, this girl right here, come on up. I kept calling this person a girl. It was not a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, boys have long hair too. Sometimes. They have messy buns because, well, <laughs> you know, they 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 have long hair. And so boys have long hair too. And And I just, I didn't see the face very well. I just really saw the hair. And so right on stage, I was able to be like, oh, I'm sorry. You're a boy. Still come up, boy. And so he did. He didn't win the game or anything like that. At that point, you got to rig it, man. Yeah, I didn't give it to him. kid needs a win. Yeah, he probably should have. Hopefully, he had a great week. (laughs) Wherever you're at, buddy. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) Hey, man. Uh, if somebody repeatedly called you a gender that you are not from a CIY stage, you can send that email to podcast at CIY.com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, my Instagram's in the show notes. <laughs> Throw all sorts of hate in my DMs. I'm so sorry. Um, you know I, also, I have another story, but that one's that one's fine. I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, none of those stories would have made it up on the podcast, so we're fine. All right. Tony Liberatore. Tony. The legend. Come on. What is your biggest, like, I'm going to, you're at a CIY event. You're at a mover or mix. What is the thing that an adult leader could do that is, like, your biggest pet peeve? Oh, man. Um, Tony, that's a great question. And I'm probably going to cop out here a little bit because I'm answering very genuinely is I just don't love it when, when adult leaders put themselves before their students. Um, Obviously there are other things that like you run into hiccups out a week that can be annoying. But for me, one of my biggest pet peeves is when a, when an adult leader makes the event about themselves and not for the students that they're supposed to be leading. Um, And there's a myriad of ways that that can happen, but I just, I so badly wish I could have the conversation with some people of like, hey, your, hey, this silly video that you didn't like and you didn't think it was funny because it was not meant for a 30-year-old man or a woman or an adult. It was meant for a student who is in middle school. Right. It's so, meant for a sixth grade boy. Right. So it's probably fine that you don't think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty glad that you don't think it's all that funny. But yeah, I think sometimes... And I get it. I get into it as well. And it's a pet peeve I have with myself is I this week of mix is more about me than it is about the students. And so, um, yeah, I think that's probably my biggest pet peeve. Totally. I think for me, I, I, I agree with you. And I think one of the biggest manifestations of that is a youth pastor who at the end of the night after a day of their of their students just like being sponges and absorbing all of this stuff, taking kids to youth group time 
and preaching at them. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, man, guy, I'm sure you're a great preacher. (laughs) Or lady, I'm sure you're a great preacher. You know what I mean? Like, have a conversation with your kids. Yep. You know what I mean? Let them talk. Right. There's a lot that they need to digest. A hundred percent. There's not. Especially on, like, day four of a mix event at 9.30 at night. Yep. They're ready. They are falling asleep. (laughs) They're like, I get it. Man, I just I am capped out emotionally, 100%. physically. Yeah, no, like, that that's a good one. <laughs> I didn't even think about that one. Now here I am getting annoyed at that right now. Yeah, I'm watching Caleb's face turn red. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but for real, we love you guys. Like there are pet peeves of youth pastors at events. This is a great moment for us to just say like, yeah, it's worth it. Oh, you know what I mean? We're all sinners, and you know what? For every time that I get annoyed at a youth pastor, I get annoyed at my co-director or at an EC or at an event staff or at somebody because I'm a sinner and I get annoyed with people, right? But like, we love you guys so much and and it it, is truly, truly, truly an honor to serve you. And I I appreciate the heart of what you asked, Tony, but um, the reality is we often aren't even like thinking in those terms. No. No, I I mean, I don't have somebody knocking on my office door asking for a TPS report every 30 minutes. Uh that was an old reference, but it the the little times that I'm actually annoyed at this job or on this job or at an event is just like boy, count me crazy blessed because I have literally one of the best jobs in the entire world. And so, yeah. Absolutely. All right. For those of you who are with us uh, with us a couple weeks ago, you already know this, but we are going to end uh, my time together with with all of our CIY co-hosts by having uh, whoever that person is today, it's Caleb, read a, a blessing over you that we have uh, pieced together from some different blessings in Scripture. Uh, we're doing this because we love you and because we pray for you, and um, we we want you to know that these are the things that that we ask God to give you in your ministry. So, Caleb, you can take it away. May God show you grace and bless you. May he make his face shine on you. May you experience the love of Christ through whom God gives you fullness of life. May you be strengthened by his power. May Christ himself make his home in your heart that you would be full of his love and grace and that those you serve would see Jesus in you. Today's episode was produced by RJ Harbison, Lauren Bryan, and myself. Thanks again to Caleb and Scott for hanging out with me today. And of course, thanks to you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to join us in two weeks for the second episode in this series when I'll be talking to Lindsay Harbaugh about the lessons we can take away from life in the suburban church. In the meantime, feel free to reach out to us on the CIY Community Facebook page or by email at podcast at CIY.com. See you next time.